0: Hello, hello, Aussie Music lovers. A long time now here. This is your favourite podcast host, Saba from the City McWiggles blog. Welcome to the first episode of City Talks season two. And right at the beginning I have a little surprise for you. I feel like I don't dedicate enough space in my blogging and podcast hosting ventures to artists who play different kind of instruments. So today, I'm speaking to Anita Quayle, who is a cellist and composer with 25 years of experience in the music industry. I know what you're thinking right now. This is going to be a conversation about symphonic orchestras and classical music pieces. Well, not exactly. Because Anita is involved in many wonderful projects that have not so much to do with Chopin and Mozart, but heaps to do with contemporary music. You see, Anita is what you might call an innovator in her space on many different levels. But to be able to understand that better, I first wanted to know about the state of classical music down under. So I kicked off the conversation by asking whether classical music was popular, pun intended, in Australia at all.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, for things like you know, doing doing a concert featuring music for film, for instance, mm-hmm. I think is really allowing a, a wider appreciation, a wider variety of people to come to concerts. So it's it's not just your your fifty to sixty year olds that like to hear <laughs> the same Mozart piece. You know, um, it's it, you know, I think the the people who are in charge of create curating these concerts now. Mm-hmm. Um, are are really keeping that in mind, you know, I think the MSO have done some other collaboration concerts at the Maya Music Bowl, which is this big outdoor sort of um, amphitheater stadium type space for, for music. Um, They've even done, you know, collaborations with, with with, um, famous DJs or, um, you know, famous world music, world music soloists, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to be able to kind of broaden the the appreciation for how um, orchestral music is actually used, mm-hmm. so That's yeah, yeah I think good. it is, it's a big thing.
0: Cool, mm. it looks like you're involved in a lot of projects, which leads me to uh, kind of the conclusion that maybe it's easier to access funding for the classical kind of music than it is for popular one at the moment, I'm not sure if you know what i mean it's just that you know there's been a lot of discussions as well going about in australia about the government not helping enough the arts you know and uh, especially in the pandemic you know and a lot of venues have closed musicians have lost their income and so on so i'm just wondering mm. whether classical music is in a little more pr- privileged kind of situation because of the big concert halls and you know like the, the yes. symphonies and the orchestras might have more funding or more possibilities to secure the funding or sponsorship is that the case or would you say it's the same as in popular music
1: um look i would say there's definitely a, more of a persuasion um for money to be divided into that category rather than contemporary because i mean the people who dish out the grants want to know that there's going to be some kind of positive result right or guaranteed result that there's going to be bums on seats at concerts and you know, all the rest of it. So they want to know Mm. that they're actually looking good in how they're, you know, on in, in who they're choosing to give the money to, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's the correct (laughs) way at all, but it's, yeah, I think in the contemporary scene, you know, you've got to prove yourself so much more. Um, you really do. And, um, And especially for a lot of in the in the contemporary, especially contemporary independent world, um, people are still trying to sort of sort of carve out their careers as well. So there's there's a lot at stake for um, government bodies to be delivering money to people where they don't know um, if their outcome is going to be worthwhile. I know that it's 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 bureaucracy and it's and it's crap, but I've I feel like that that's a big part of why a lot of the funding you know, goes to um, places where they know that there's going to be a guaranteed positive tick, you know, um, for them at the, you know, Mm -hmm. at the other end. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I hope, I hope it's, I hope it's going to get better. I hope it's going to get better. Um, You know, and I think the more people that we have uh, advocating, you know, on our behalf, um, so, you know, people like Claire Bowditch here in Melbourne, um, she's, you know, she's, she's a huge force mm-hmm. um, that is uh, really bringing an awareness of that sense of um, lack of equality across the board for, um, for who gets funded, you know, Yeah. so it's good. You know, we need, we need strong people like her on our, on our team.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we know that classical music concerts are actually a thing down under. But Anita takes her classical instrument to a completely new level. I heard about her for the first time when she was interviewed by Greg from Australian Musician. She gave a little sample of what playing an electric cello is like. On a side note, Australian Musician is another music publication that I follow religiously for their great content. You should too. So, I will include a link to the video with Anita in the episode notes. What I was particularly blown away by in that video is that you can now also do looping with cellos. So, I asked Anita about some other advancements and upgrades in her space over the years.
1: Um, Well, I mean, just as far as the technology alone for the instrument, we now have the um, electric cello. Mm-hmm. So Yamaha has, has um, a, one, they're one of the more mainstream companies mm-hmm. that have developed, um, you know, just a, a more modern approach to the instrument. Um, so which is the, the instrument that, that I use for mm-hmm. in a more popular contemporary space, because I have, you know, my effects pedal board and looping station and things. So the, the, I find that 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 marries with the electric cello in a in a, a much more appropriate and um, a better a better way than my than my acoustic cello does. Um, you also have things like uh, people like the you know those two guys the 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 two oh, cellos yeah. or something and they're cello. called yes exactly
0: yeah it's so really you right.
1: know yeah. they're really and I think that's done wonders for yeah. for kids at school like you say you know because. Perhaps a lot of kids maybe don't want to learn classical music, Mm. but they appreciate the, 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 the instrument itself. They, they, they like the sound of it, but they don't want to be playing classical, you know, standard pieces of um, repertoire. So having, you know, and younger people at the forefront of paving a new way and a new, a new way for the instrument to be, to be heard, I think is, is awesome. so you know we have we have that to be sort of thankful for and i think a lot more kids in schools are are going yeah i could i could do this 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 is this sounds like fun to me so i think having those sorts of people and you know even people like myself who are bringing the cello into a more contemporary space it's and when you you go out and you see live music and you see that happening you think yeah this is this is cool this is something i can I could I could have fun with and 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 pursue
0: yeah yeah and um it's fascinating to me because I didn't even know that you can do live looping with uh, with the cello, and yeah. um, I've seen you perform and you know I've seen you kind of do it but um I guess the principle is the same as with the guitar for instance right so yeah uh, you can just record the track and then you know uh, you loop it and then you kind of layer another track over it is this a very new thing for the cello or for the classical instruments?
1: Um look I think. Um, do you know the cellist um Zoe
0: Keating? Yes, you've mentioned her, and I looked yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: so she I think she was kind of one of the first, mm-hmm. you know um that you know, when she was starting to bring her her concerts here, and it was just just solo. You know so no no one else is 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 playing with her. So it's just her her laptop and whether she uses Ableton or whatever mm-hmm. program recording program she's using and her effects and her looper board um and yeah she's she's this one one woman band mm. um and i really think it planted a seed in a lot of australian string players you know planet planted the seed for them to go man i really should be pushing my instrument to be doing these kinds of things as well like um
0: moving forward yeah so yeah. you as far as I understand, compose music, you arrange it and then you play it as well. Which Maybe. one is your favorite? Do you like composing more than you like playing, or is it all like you know equal status so to speak?
1: um I feel like it's all equal um i love I love composing music for myself for mm-hmm. for the, for the solo instrument, for the cello yeah. and for the looper. Um, I find that a really satisfying process um, I love. I, th- I probably think uh, the arranging part, I think I really enjoy when I'm arranging music for, for others mm-hmm. um, or if it's with um, one of the projects that I play
0: with. Ah, the projects. So I'm going to stop here for a second and before I let Anita tell you about them in a bit more detail, let me give you a brief overview. Apart from her own brand, Anita is a very active member of the Australian and local Melbourne music communities. She frequently collaborates with other artists, not only string players. She's going to drop a few names of fellow musicians who are worth checking out as well, so take out a notebook because this might be one of the very few places where you'll be able to hear about them. Also, if you want to see Anita live, there are some show dates coming up with some of her projects. So you might want to jot them down as well. Um, so speaking of some of your projects, because you have quite a mm. few going on, it. Um, so there is. Um, th- let's start maybe with the one that probably is the most recent one with your partner, Beyond the Lake, because mm. it's very soothing and you know it's really music. Did it start in the pandemic? Um, it-, it did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: As a as a way to to calm our nerves at mm-hmm. home. Instead of watching television, we were like, we should be more productive than Mm. this, you know, we've got literally time to burn now. Let's, you know, let's, let's do something productive. So we would just go upstairs into the studio and just Mm. play these kind of long form, slow moving, um, improvisations together using our looper boards and, and effects. And, um, and then we kind of just sort of started streaming those, you know, once a week on our YouTube channel and, and our Facebook page. And pretty soon, you know, we were, we were having people just sit in with us, you know, and, and listen and, you know, put comments in. And then they'd be, you know, we put a couple of um, the albums, uh, live albums from the streams up on Bandcamp. And soon enough, people were buying those and, um, you know, just sort of writing into us and saying, oh, thank you so much, your music is helping us fall asleep when we're a bit stressed or it's sending the, you know, the uh, kids off to bed early. It's, it's such a, such a great thing. Thanks so much. So, you know, we, we, we figured out pretty quickly that it was music that was able to help others as well. So, um, so from that we've, you know, we've now about to release our first studio produced album that we, we did here at home. Um, Nick, Nick did all the, the engineering and even mastered it. So it's a very self, self-sufficient um, way of creating and, and releasing our music here at home. Um, so we're launching that um, for any Melbourne-based people um, that, that uh, watch your show um, at the Toffin Town, which is a great venue in the CBD, Central Business District in Melbourne, on the 28th of April
0: beyond the mm. lake is just one of them, and you've got also yes. the um, what uh, Melbourne Amplified Strings. That's with Zani, correct? Yes, so that's with Zani. You and that one with
1: my violinist colleague Zani Kolak. Um, when we collaborate with our special guest artists, for their for we do four concerts a year, okay. and each concert is there is a theme to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we plan about a year year ahead. Um, we we get our choose who our guest collaborators are going to be for the year, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah. So each concert takes about three months, from the beginning to the the final performance, mm-hmm. um, to to write the material, arrange the material, rehearse the material, and then to put on the concert. So. Um, there is, um, with the guest artist that we work with, whether it's, a, an opera singer or an R and B vocalist or a classical pianist or, um, a jazz pianist or, um, another cellist we've had before. Um, it's, it's, it's music that we, we curate together, but there are always elements of the, of the guest, um guest artists own pieces that that come into the into the the um the program as well so Are we write the music with them in mind yeah absolutely so um for instance um one of the one of the concerts we did uh with uh tando who is an R and B singer here in yeah. melbourne um she actually put, uh, put a list together of mm-hmm. some of her favorite songs um including some that she had written herself and then we sort of scaled down um how many of them would be perhaps appropriate for um for like a a string trio at the time we had another guest artist perform with us for that concert who was also a cellist um and he had his looper board and, and effects as well so um yeah so we certainly um we pick our our program, uh, according to to who our who our artist is, Mm -hmm. and they they have a a really big input into into the pieces that we, we choose to to then start arranging. So Mm -hmm. that's when we really get to have fun with arranging uh, their songs that may have been arranged for Mm -hmm. a big band or for an orchestra or whatever it might be, and bring it right back scale it right back to two strings. Mm-hmm. Looper, looper boards, and whoever, whoever our, our our guest artist is, so it just means there's so much flexibility um, available to us, and, and in how we use our instruments. Sure. So we can create drum loops with our with, with with the body of of the instruments. We can, you know, create stacked harmonies. We can, you know, we can do all sorts of things um, on these instruments uh, with the um, technology that we have working with the instruments, the looper boards, the effects pedals, etc. Um, so it really, yeah, it's it's really helping to broaden um, just how just how far we can we can push those capabilities with 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 the instruments which have been traditionally classical instruments so okay. mm. before, uh, before COVID hit, it was very successful. <laughs> <laughs> we put on, you know, really, you know, great concerts in, in and really interesting spaces, you know, that um perhaps are challenging the status quo for for mm-hmm. classical instruments in, in a contemporary setting. So um we have a, a concert actually coming up that was um that was put off uh due to COVID. So we we're, we're able to put this concert back on with um Andrea Keller who's multi award winning jazz uh, pianist and, and composer, uh, here in Melbourne. So we're, we're able to, to put on this, this concert planned, um, at this beautiful historic, um, house and gardens down on the Mornington Peninsula. So, um, that will be on the 20th of May, um, for, for anyone who's going to be Mm -hmm. in and around Melbourne around that time, um, it'll be a, a, a fabulous concert. Um, so that's that's Melbourne Amplified Strings. Um, we will continue our program for twenty twenty three, but for the remainder of this year, um, Zanny and I are, are consumed with our own projects at the same time. So okay. catching up on on lost time due to the pandemic. Oh, lost
0: time during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Beyond the Lake and Melbourne Amplified Strings are just two of Anita's innovative projects that present the classical instrument that is the cello in a different, contemporary way. But she's got some big plans for the future as well that she's going to talk you through now. And again, they're not just your regular symphony orchestra gigs at concert music halls. They are projects that bring different disciplines of life together, like dance, film, or music, for instance, making them truly unique experiences for different audiences, like this next project, for instance.
1: I'm currently collaborating with, um, a composer and chora player, and he's beautiful vocalist as well from, from Senegal. Um, and we're doing a, um, a project called 1312, and the uh, the premise of it is to, to bring about awareness of not oth- only um, the culture and the music of, of Senegal, but um, to also fuse it with um, a Western influence using mm-hmm. traditional Western instruments. So, I mean, uh, and his, his name is Lamine Sonko, mm-hmm. who is the um, director of... Of this of this project, um, we are performing. It's a, it's a very intimate performance as far as the amount of musicians that are involved. Um, there's three string players, including myself, um, but we have a, a a sound designer working with us as well um, to create these beautiful sort of ambient sound beds. Um, we have a, a filmmaker who is who is um, bringing about. Um, a a documentary about the, the culture of Senegal, um, we, uh, there is science, there is maths involved about, you know, the relationship of, of the, uh, the stars in, in, in the sky, um, how they relate to, uh, the rhythms that, that's, uh, is used in Senegal for their various rituals. Um, then those rhythms are then, uh, used to determine musical notes as well, that are then translated and transcribed onto string instruments, so mm. the violin, cello, and double bass. Um, so there are also there's also going to be um, uh, traditional dancers from Senegal involved in this at a later stage. Um, but we're we're doing our first kind of preview of of what we've been working on so mm. far um, at ACME, um, okay. which is uh, in at Federation square in, in the city. So it's a, a um, center for moving image. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will be premiering, um, a small part of, of that work and, okay. and fusing our, what we've been working on musically so far. And, and also, um, there'll be a short film, um, and a, and a talk that, that Lamine will, will give about the process so far. Um, but that is due for a large public performance for okay. next year. So right. it will be something to look out for. Um, it'll be a wonderful spectacle. Um, <clears throat> otherwise I have, uh, another great project, um, that is doing a premiering a new work, uh, at the South Frankston Arts center also okay. in May. Um, and that is with, um, a composer and Gu Zheng artist called Mindy Meng Wang. Um, she just so happened to be um, announced as Music Victoria's musician of the year for wow. 2021. Okay. Um, so she's another, uh, another fabulous musician to, to watch out for. She's doing incredible things with the Guzheng, which is, uh, it's an over, it's about two and a half thousand year old traditional Chinese instrument. And she's, she's bringing it into places and platforms in a contemporary way. Mm-hmm. So she, she collaborates <laughs> with, uh, with jazz artists. She collaborates with electronic artists. Um, and we're, we're doing a, a collaboration with, a, a filmmaker, um, uh, sort of talking about her life and, and, and the historical, um, aspects of Uh, her life in China Um, and so we're sort of developing a a series of pieces um, that go with these sort of short short films Um, so yeah so we're excited to be um, finishing that off soon and and being able to to premiere this um, for a festival that's happening in Frankston um, for I think uh, 12th of May I believe is is when that's kicking off so wow
0: um, and, then, and on top of that you're also composing for your solo album correct
1: and also when also starting keep? the process hey <laughs>
0: you because you look yeah
1: sometimes like <laughs> sometimes yeah it's it's been it's been pretty hectic of late yeah um i my diary is getting a real workout <laughs>
0: You're yeah, only like April, May, I'm like, yeah, it's just- Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've kind of reminded me I'm like, oh my God, May is next month. That's yeah. right. <laughs> two two big projects um to be to be uh, finishing off and, and performing for then. But yeah, so the the solo um, solo record which I will release next year. Um there is just not time to do that this year. Um but it's I I was awarded a um, a creative workers grant recently, um, so that was able to. I was able to pay myself <laughs> to actually <laughs> put time aside to actually really start working on some new material for for the electric cello and and looper board. So um, there'll be more on that as as the year goes on. But for now, um, I'm you know just getting getting the ideas flowing. Um, and there is
0: another project, and I'm not really sure. Um, I, I haven't found much about it. Is it called Spire? Is it? Uh, so
1: yeah? yeah, Spire Ensemble is also a, a project that Zani Collects started. Okay. Um, and this was, I think they they did one one concert uh, the year before I joined them. I joined them in 2018. Um, and what they do is they put on a one really big show every year, usually in September and usually at a very grand venue like Hamer Hall, the Arts Centre here in Melbourne, Um, and it is it is a celebration of women, uh, songwriters, singers and instrumentalists in our industry here in Melbourne.
0: Now I have to pause here for a moment as well. The Spire ensemble was a great excuse to talk about the female representation in the classical music world. That was one of the questions I had for Anita anyway. So this next part of the chat is dedicated to that topic exactly. But no worries, it's not a feminist manifesto. It's rather a realistic reflection on where we are in terms of equality in that space. And it turns out the future doesn't look so bad at all.
1: You know, there's this such, there has been for a long time, this thing called a boys club mm-hmm. um, in music. And, you know, it's where the same, the same people get the same opportunities and the same gigs because they, con- they sort of just congregate in their own circles and they just keep employing themselves, you know, and, and asking their asking their buddies to kind of join the tour. And so it just meant that You know, a lot of the women in our industry have not had the amount of kind of gig fit experience, just purely because they have never had the opportunity, um, to be able to present what they can do. So Zanny, um, started this, this, um, this organization, um, purely to, to bring to light the fact of the wonderful female musicians that we have in our industry. And since then it's been great. It's been so the the amount of women that you see up on stage now, I think is, you know, potentially a credit to, to, to Zanny because I think she's really put that, put that spark and that, that seed into people's minds of like, yeah, what about our female instrumentalists? Where have they gone? You know, why aren't people hiring them for this gig? So,
0: um, yeah. So, um, and that leads me to the question that I wanted to ask you about being a woman in the classical music yeah. world. And as far as I understand the problems, the problems, or well, the issues or whatever you want to call them, um, are pretty much the same as in the, you know, the popular music. So there is, you know, it's a male dominated, probably still um, heavily um you know, a scene. So, wh- where do you think that comes from? Because obviously, learning to play an instrument is, you know, I don't think it's much more difficult for a woman than it is for a man. So, mm. I'm just wondering where that kind of division and like the domination of yeah. women come from. Look, I don't,
1: I mean, I guess there is, you know, there, there's always been a, a larger portion of, of men than, than women in, in classical circles. But I feel like, you know, in recent times, that's changing. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like there is, you know, with this idea of equality, you know, is is a real thing and inclusion, um, diversity, all of those, all of those elements matter when um, companies want to put on a a concert, you know, it's they they now have this checklist that they have to Mm -hmm. adhere to. It's like how many, how many people in this orchestra Mm -hmm. are female? How many people in this orchestra come from culturally diverse backgrounds you know and it's it's really forcing um you know perhaps these older (laughs) generation of people who are on the chairmans on you know on on the board of you know um these sort of classical organizations and and contemporary organizations as well it's it's really forcing them to kind of think on a, a larger scale and think much more outside of their very limited, blinkered view on on what they consider um, to be appropriate, you know? Yeah. Definitely.
0: Right. So the last topic you're about to hear actually comes from the the off-the-record part of my chat with Anita. But I feel that it's important to include it. That's because we're discussing the need for wider appreciation of Australian musicians and Australian music in the country itself, and how the pandemic really highlighted that. And I just want to give you a heads up already that I took quite a lot in this section for a change.
1: I feel very honoured that you, you reached yeah. out to me then. There's, no, and there's I'll, so I'll, I'll be
0: honest with you as well, Anita. I think Australian music is very much underestimated. And, you mm. know, there's only like in the world, you know, you would know probably Temp Impala, Kylie Minogue, and yeah. you know, all those big names. And there's a lot of bands and musicians that come from Australia in different genres and also in your kind of department mm. that are fantastic, but you just don't have this opportunity to kind of shine elsewhere because, mm. you know, Australia is very... Geographically, kind of, I would say, condemned to where it is, and it's hard yeah. to break through sometimes. And also, when artists do break through, then everybody kind of forgets that they're from Australia, and then they're claimed yeah. by the American market or the UK market. Mm. So I kind of, I that- guess,
1: there's also there's also the you know the thing of I remember you know it was what in the 80s when Kylie Minogue was you know trying to break through into the scene and. It wasn't until she made it big in London
0: Yes, true.
1: that Australia just went, Oh, our girl Kylie, you know, it was, it was all of a sudden then, then people took notes. So I feel like there is still this, you know, this sense of like, you need to go and make a name for yourself mm. overseas in Europe or, or London or the States and then come back and then, and then we'll, we'll give you a front cover on something, you know, um, it's, I think it's still, there is still that that mindset here True. Um, in Australia. And so...
0: I don't think it's only Australia. I think it's generally, you know, like we have this, when it comes to the music business that if you make it in the States and you win a Grammy, that's the, like, you know, mm. The, the, mm. You know what, what you're kind of aiming for. Well, I don't think it is, but yeah. I'm, I remember in the pandemic when I was following the news from Australia and, you know, all the concert promoters, they were like, oh my God, we're not going to get any big, like, international acts here for a while and we're gonna have to do all the lineups which are local i'm like mm. that is such a how but yeah. what a
1: great idea right yeah. i mean we had the uh, the you know the big folk festival here in melbourne port Fairy folk festival yes. mm-hmm. was the it was the first year where it was all local acts and it's really it's made people wake up and go mm. we have such great talent here you know in in australia why do, why do we need to be banking on these international acts to be able to in order to sell tickets to mm-hmm. a festival you know so i think i think covid's you know while it's been a horrible thing for a lot of people i think it's certainly created an awareness of things that that can change and need to change and um that it's that it's actually possible to so um for you sure. know I think that perhaps we'll we'll see we'll see a greater amount of local acts on on festival bills here in future perhaps.
0: Yeah. And on that note, we'll finish the chat for today. Anita and I will be back on Thursday though to talk more about her journey to playing the cello, the formative years in Tasmania, being the unpopular kid at school and her love for film music. You might also find out what genre she listens to at home. You know there is a simple way to be notified when new episodes drop. Just hit that subscribe or follow button depending on where you're listening to this podcast. Check out the episode notes as well. You'll find the link to Anita's page and socials there so you can stay on top of all the exciting gigs and projects she's got coming up. Obviously, follow Silly McQuiggles, which is me, for more news and updates on the Australian music scene. See you back here on Thursday.